up, we thought food was only something that could be enjoyed. And really, there's nothing wrong with that. But here's the thing. So much of life happens in the kitchen. It's a place to gather, to laugh, to burn your meatloaf while the kids do their homework at the kitchen island. So if life is happening in the kitchen, that's where we want to be. It doesn't have to be so hard. We can be great dads and great cooks. This show is about us trying to figure it all out. I'm Chris. And I'm Phil. Welcome to Dad's Kitchen. I was thinking about that time that you completely refurbished your house and... Oh, which house? See what I mean? <laughs> this is this is what I'm getting at. You're a handyman. I've always known you to be a handyman. I have two of them, I don't, Phil. I don't know if the world knows you. Men, that is. To be a... Sure. I'm proud of you. That was a good joke. That means everything to me. And the reason I bring it up is because I seem to recall in one of your many homes that you've redone, you had to scrape off some popcorn ceiling and... I'm curious to know like what that whole thing looked like, but mostly, why did we ever have popcorn ceilings, Chris? The people need to know. Phil, Phil, popcorn ceilings. I don't know. I'm not, I'm, I, I don't know 100% the, the uh, aesthetic influences behind the popcorn ceiling. I do think that it was a bit of an acoustic treatment. I also think that it probably was covering up a multitude of drywall challenges, maybe. Because drywalling is not the easiest thing yeah, no. to do. No, it's not. It's not. And actually, I've never scraped a popcorn ceiling. So, Wait, the, am I confusing you with maybe another podcast host of mine? Probably, yeah. I could have sworn you scape, scraped that away. No, so actually, uh, the, the popcorn ceiling that you're probably thinking about, Phil, was painted multiple times, and there was no way that I was going to sand that thing because you wouldn't have been able to scrape it. So I covered it with beadboard or like tongue and groove. I'm sorry. Okay. So you, so you did the beadboard and yeah, then you so, painted that. So I, I put tongue and groove over the top of that. And yeah, okay, that, makes that, sense. that took a while, but I don't think it was as bad as sanding that would have been, Phil. But I just had this image of you like putting enough layers of paint into the popcorn ceiling that eventually it would balance itself out. I mean, like layer upon layer upon layer. Eventually, it would fill in the gaps. Yeah, eventually. You should try that next time you have a house with popcorn ceiling, Phil. I don't know if I can find a house with popcorn ceilings. They're so archaic these days. And that's sad, Chris, because popcorn is delicious. Phil, I would I would recommend against eating popcorn ceilings or like the acoustic treatment on so-called popcorn ceilings. Oftentimes, we have these foam pads inside our studio. And when you're not looking, I tend to take a bite out of them. Just give it a good little, yeah. little taste. You know, popcorn ceilings, Phil, especially before late 70s, maybe. Probably not something that you want to be consuming. But That's a good point. You're always looking out for me, the scientist that you are. I've heard mesothelioma is not fun. Well, Chris, this episode is a fun one because we just don't have enough fun on this show. So I wanted to talk about the edible kind of popcorn. Because edibles are everything we need in this world. So let's talk about some popcorn, Chris. Did you know that Tim Urban, the great Tim Urban, described popcorn as one of the only instances where we eat the result of an explosion? Isn't that beautiful? Hmm. I'm trying to think of another another occasion that that might happen. I mean, without getting I mean, it's too just dark. So accurate, you know. Like we don't eat rockets. I'm just saying. Some people might. Like I said, I'm trying not to get too dark with this one, Phil. But yeah, okay, we'll go with it. <laughs> sure. So popcorn, it's been around forever, Chris. You love popcorn. I love popcorn. It's interesting, way back in 2012, way back, that was a long time ago, as if, archaeologists in Peru discovered 7,000-year-old popcorn. Rather, they discovered corn on the cob that had 
popped corn inside that was 7,000 years old. Talk about your corn smut. Okay, so here's a question, Phil, as always. Yep. When you're when you're talking, I have questions. Was that corn that had the potential to be popped already popped, or was it just corn that had the potential to be popped? No, I'm fairly certain this corn was already popped. So and somehow preserved by the dinosaurs. Okay. Yeah, the seven thousand year old dinosaurs. The Peruvians, they were are a beautiful people. Yeah. Was was that popcorn inside of uh, one of their local Peruvian theaters. Oh, I don't know. Have you ever been to a Peruvian theater? Uh, those are the only types of theaters I go to. This is why I like you, Chris. It's interesting. Popcorn, like the way we have it now, it, it didn't really start out that way as with most things. It's gone through some evolution, if you will. Popcorn in the early days kind of resembled what's called parched corn. And parched corn is basically the practice okay. of cooking dried corn in a frying pan. And then the result is like this really crunchy kernel, which is from what I understand, relatively similar to corn nuts. Okay, uh, but that's not popcorn, Phil. There is no explosion. I, I feel like this explosion is quite integral to the very nature and definition of popcorn. <laughs> do, you, do you think Do you think some Peruvians were just playing some pranks on these archaeologists and they just bought a package of corn nuts, wrapped it up in some corn, and then they were like, these guys are going to think this is millennia old. Okay, so going back to that, it was corn wrapped in corn. How do you how do you do that? I don't I'm know, curious. Chris. I'm curious. I'm I'm curious. Okay. So Phil historian. Okay. Second question. If they're corn nutting, oh that's gross. If they're parching corn, then when is the first actual incident of the explosion of corn? I'm so glad you asked Chris because I have it here on my notes. Absolutely no idea. Hmm. Hmm. That's fascinating. That's that's good. Yeah. Okay. Great. Thank you. Sure. Sure. You're welcome. You're very welcome. And maybe from now on, save all questions till the end in the hopes that you'll forget them so that nope. I can maybe just look 1% smarter than I am. No, this podcast is, uh, the, the subtitle is Question Phil. I like it. Oh boy. So it, it it's kind of fascinating though, like this whole idea of, of what parched corn looks like when it was when it was cooked in a frying pan. And obviously this is still something you can do today. But the question that I have is, is if you take popcorn and you, or if you take these kernels, these dried kernels, and you cook them in a frying pan, why don't they explode into popcorn? And the answer is really quite simple. It has to do with the moisture level of the kernel once it's dried. So popcorn today, it looks a little bit different than like regular corn, right? So from what I understand, from what I can gather... Like regular dried corn? I mean, just like corn in general. It's the same, obviously the same plant, but the, the harvest looks a little bit different. So what they do, Chris, they grow the corn, they cure it directly on the stalk, they pick it, and then they dry it down to about 14% moisture. That remaining moisture, once it's heated, that's what's expanding and ultimately giving you that fluffy white goodness. Question, is popcorn different than corn? Is it like a different, I don't know, gosh, breed of corn. Genus? Sure. If you want to get like... It's in the same phylum from what I can tell. Okay. That's 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 good. How different genetically is it from corn? Is it like a, a very different seed or is it just how they treat it in the harvesting process? Nope. It's exactly the same. It's just how it's treated. It's, you know, the taxonomy left of corn. Left a little wet. It's just left a little bit wet. That's exactly right. And then science happens, Chris. Science. So anyways, Chris, how do you take your popcorn? Did you... You saw Anchorman 2, right? No. Oh, you didn't see that one? Oh, no, I forgot it was a thing. So, you know, Brick, Steve Carell's character, he meets a lady friend and he 
is hitting on her in the way that Brick would. And he, he compliments her hair by telling her that it looks like wet popcorn. Okay. I can see that. That's, that's, that's it's nice. Funny. It's a nice thought. It's funny. You said you just had popcorn the other day. How'd you guys make it? Uh, well, we, we heated the popcorn and it popped. In a bag? Did you do it with the steamer looking things that look like a chicken beak? No. What'd you do? Neither. Neither, Phil. Actually, um, I think Molly just used a pot on the stove. That's kind of been her go-to method. So like loose popcorn, a little bit of oil in the bottom of a pot, throw that on the stove, and it's going to pop. What kind of oil? I, I don't know, Phil. We mostly just have olive oil around, I feel like, actually. So it's there's there's a high chance that it was olive oil. Interesting. Well, not to plug our previous episodes too much because that's maybe something that we do on this show. Oil matters. If you use an oil that has too high of a smoke point, then, you know, because that stove, it gets pretty hot and you've got enough oil just sitting there that it could, it could, it could burn it off. So my guess, Chris, and this is where we plug our previous episode, my guess is that she used a light olive oil versus an extra virgin. No, it's actually an extra virgin because that's all that we have. And it didn't smoke. It was fine. Wow, low and slow in the Douglas household. I mean, okay, well, here, Phil, is the question, what temperature does popcorn pop at? I have no idea. The questions you ask, man. Below the smoke point of extra virgin olive oil, I assume. I have a question for you, Chris. Yes, Phil. Yes. Yes, yes, Why aren't you running the world? So yes, Chris, the stovetop is a great way to make popcorn. It's it's one of my favorite ways. It's something that we do on the regular. And I've mentioned this before. We we typically use a coconut oil. I just think it kind of brings forth like a really, mm, I was going to say coconutty flavor, but it's probably relatively too obvious. Tropical popcorn. It, yeah. You know what it ends up tasting like, Chris? It tastes like popcorn. And that's what or we're suntan so, lotion, one of the two. Add a little bit of salt and you've got uh, a really, really delicious result. Then there's this thing called the Whirly Pop. You ever use one? The Whirly Pop, Phil. Who hasn't used a Whirly Pop? What's a Whirly Pop? It's the most fun thing in the world. Kids love it. It's a really great way to involve them in your popcorn popping. Oh. It's basically this pot with a lid and a hand yeah, crank. Yeah, yeah, Oh, oh. I think I think ours was automatic growing up. Does it have like a an arm that kind of like rotates around the pot, like moving the the kernels? Yeah, that's that, that's right. So this hand crank, yeah. obviously, or automatic, has some sort of I don't want to say torque. I guess there's a little bit of torque action going on, it, it, but it's it, rotating it the torques that popcorn nice. <laughs> and I don't necessarily know the advantage to the whirly pot for some reason. This, this is kind of a mystery to me. I tried to figure out why, but they say. The Whirly Pop doesn't require as much oil, and I I don't know why. I, I thought maybe you you would know, given your I can, given I can, your infinite mm, sage wisdom. I, I would venture to guess that maybe it does not require as much oil as just like a straight stovetop method because the kernels are constantly moving, and at that point, kind of heating it more evenly across the overall surface of the kernel it's not going to burn on one side where you know like we've talked about oils being conductors of heat so it's possible that maybe the as, as the kernel sitting in the oil like it and is coated in the oil that conducts the heat over the whole surface area of the kernel i don't know that would just be my guess the movement the movement distributes the heat is what i'm saying kinetic energy my friend it is what pops us all so chris it goes without saying 
Everybody loves popcorn. It's a great way to involve your kids. And and, and it's a great way to involve them because I, I think popcorn can be so much more than just the microwavable bags. Nothing wrong with the microwavable bags. There's actually some really great brands out there. Uh, I'll, I'll actually put a link to a show notes to this interesting article on all the microwavable bagged popcorn ranked one through eight. Okay. Yeah. And there are some interesting metrics that go along with like the crunchiness and the flavor and how long it keeps and, and all that fun stuff. Interesting article. But what I love most about popcorn, Chris, is what it can become in terms of like a like a launching board and the flavors that you can introduce and oh. the ways you can have it. And that's that, Chris, is why I was so passionate about doing this topic, because if you haven't made homemade caramel, you're missing out. Okay. I'm interested, Phil. I enjoy caramel, so I'm interested. Who doesn't? If you like the taste of butter, then you're probably going to like caramel mm -hmm. because that's a lot of what caramel is. So really simple. You what if, you, what if you like the taste of butter, but you do not like the taste of sugar? Then you are likely not human. Melt down some sugar to its liquid state. You got to be very careful that it doesn't scorch. Then you introduce some butter with a good caramel. The butter matters. We've been through this. We had an entire episode. Again, plug. Salted or not salted, Phil? I'm going to say unsalted because then you can add your own salt. Mm, I feel like we've heard this before mm. with you, Phil. <laughs> you can regulate your own salt. Uh, so you've, you've got your butter in there. You've got your salt in there. And then you want to introduce some heavy whipping cream. Mix all that together and yum. You've got some homemade caramel that goes great over popcorn. And bonus, you can then put that caramel over some of your other favorite foods like ice cream or, or Cheerios or wheat licoche. Yeah, put it over salmon. That's pretty good. Nice little glaze. Make some salad dressing out of it. Why not? Have you caramel ever had keeps a, like a like a full month in the fridge? Yeah. Have you ever had a a, a caramel roasted chicken? I uh, probably will make one tomorrow because that sounds delicious. Okay. Is that wait? Is that really a thing? Uh, yeah, yeah. Let me know how it goes. See, you're baiting me now. I thought that was really a thing. Caramel covered onion fill. That would be a delicacy, I'm sure. Well, you can caramelize onions, so why not? It's kind of the same thing. I, I think you need the crunch. You know, like, like a, a caramel apple has that nice crunch and the juiciness to it. I think you need the crunch of a raw onion. So just, just go ahead when you're making your, uh, what was it, caramel roasted chicken. Just just dip an onion in there. That could be your your uh, appetizer or your dessert either. It's just both. It's it's an appetizer, Phil. Okay, appetizer. That's going to be trending by the end of the week. I can promise you that. All of that to say, Chris, this is, you know me, I like to build up to my favorite things in life and I have a favorite thing about everything. Superlatives are kind of my jam. Like for example, this is my favorite podcast. You're my favorite podcast host. There's a thing called Bunko popcorn and it's my favorite way what to do popcorn. Bunko. A, a okay, bunk, so Bunko is this a game Bunko popcorn. that I don't know anything about. Is it like Plinko? Other than, I think it's like... It's not like Mahjong, but it, it is in that it's kind of a social club. Like a tile-based thing? Ladies, the ladies get together and they play Bunko. Or is it cards? Is it is it cards or tiles? No, it's a card game. Okay. Yeah. So it's like Mahjong if you had enough cards to then make tiles out of them. Two bags of microwaved popcorn, three cups of dry roasted peanuts, three cups of Rice Krispies, one tray of that you know, like that vanilla candy quick chocolate, or you can use almond bark, and then one cup of creamy peanut butter, and you blend all that stuff together, and you brother, have diabetes. you're going to play some Bunko. I don't really know, like, how Bunko branded this tasty treat, but I'm not complaining because it's delicious. And if you want to win Dad of the Year, 
maybe start playing Mahjong with your kids. I don't know. I don't know, Chris. And that's popcorn. Phil, I hear insulin prices are coming down, so yeah, go for it. <laughs> okay, but seriously, how how what's like what's your favorite way to do popcorn? Are you the are you the type of guy that sprinkles the dry cheddar powder onto your popcorn? Do you squeeze lime over it? Do you put some of that Thai red curry chili sauce on your popcorn? What do you do? Phil, I'm sorry. I just I don't eat a lot of popcorn. So I don't have a plethora of go to toppings. I suppose. I do not have toppings. I, you know, as we've covered, can really appreciate some butter. So butter and anything is going to be good. I, th- I Maybe maybe I think of popcorn as a carrier for butter. Maybe that's how everybody should think of popcorn, Phil. It doesn't matter what else you put on there. You can put on like some, some like you said, some cheddar cheese dandruff stuff or some, I don't know, like... It would have to be white cheddar. Cinnamon and sugar. Ooh. Or your caramel. That's got butter in it. But butter. I, th- I think I think the idea here, Phil, is butter. I think that's what we've established is that popcorn and butter, yes. Yep. And so. Rice Krispies are basically just butter hardened, so point for Bunko. Yep. We, of course, would love to hear how you do your popcorn because these things matter. Politics, not interested. Sports, what are those? We want to know how you do your popcorn. So hit us up on social at Dad's Kitchen Co. Yeah, Phil, I, I think I would absolutely love to maybe get a little additional inspiration just because, like I said, I don't eat popcorn as much as you, apparently. I would love to hear how everybody else enjoys theirs. And also, if you've enjoyed this episode or the podcast in general, seriously, if if you could just jump over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review dad's kitchen that would be great it would mean so much to us it honestly does actually help us get in front of more people so so i think what chris is saying is that if you don't rate and review us that means you hate us and we will never forgive you yeah i thought that was a given 